The reading this morning is from 2 Timothy, and if you want to follow in your pew Bibles, it's page 1179. So page 1179, it's 2 Timothy 2, 14 to 26. Keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words that is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes, and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he'll be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct, in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Luke. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Joel. I'm the minister here at St. Stephen's, uh, and it's lovely to have you along this morning. Uh, and if you're just new here, uh, then a especially warm welcome to you. I have qu two quick notices for us uh, before we have a look at this passage. Uh, the first one is one for our regulars, or they're both for our regulars actually, um, the building fundraiser. Uh, we said at the end of last year that we'd give an update for this, and uh, that's been emailed out this week in the, the church-wide newsletter. So uh, if you haven't had a look at that already, then please do. And if you have any questions, uh, talk to Luke Hayward or Pete Farr, not me. Uh, the other thing I wanted to let you know about is uh, our church ca camp is coming up in uh, two Sundays' time, so not next week, the week after. Uh, and I, I believe the sign-ups for that have closed. If for some reason you haven't been able to do it, please do come and chat with me. Uh, the thing you need to sign up for still is the church camp concert, which I'm told is a, an event to, to be at and, and be a part of. Uh, the more the merrier. So we've only got, uh, I think, one family who's signed up to do, to, to do some things at this stage, so it's going to be very short. But um, we need some more, so please sign up for this ASAP. Uh, now let me pray, and then we'll... Uh, Think on these words. Father God, we thank you again for a, a chance to open up your word together and for a chance to hear from you. And we pray you would speak to us by your spirit uh, and help us as we think about what it means to live useful lives for you. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There was a dog uh, a while back who found fame on the internet, uh, and his name was Jesse, Jesse the Jack Russell. And he's, he's famous for the tricks he did. Uh, and, and dog tricks can at times be entertaining, but Jesse the Jack Russell was a dog who offered much more than just entertainment. Uh, he could turn on lights, he could open and close blinds, he could shut cupboards and drawers, he could even open the rubbish bin and put rubbish in. Uh, he could undo your shoelaces and, and take off your shoes and socks after a long day. He could pick up your dirty washing and, and put it in the washing machine. Now as far as tricks go, he was a, a very, very useful dog, useful to his master. And that idea of being useful is something that uh, comes up and I think is key in today's passage. Paul wants Timothy to think along the lines of uh, usefulness. He, he wants Timothy to live a, his life in a way that is going to be useful to the master, the Lord Jesus. Uh, the verses that, that sum this up well are there in verses 21 and 22, where Paul encourages Timothy to be an instrument that is used for noble purposes, or, or your Bible might say special purposes or to honor, so that he will be useful to the master. Uh, and I think this verse is a, a great summary of the passage as a whole. Uh, in other words, Timothy's life and his ministry, in it he's to avoid certain things and he's to pursue certain things so that he'll be of use to God. And this is a, a timely passage for us this morning because many of us won't naturally think like that. Am I being useful to my master? We won't, we won't ask that question. Uh, we may think about being useful in, in general, in the workplace or at school or at home. And we might even think about it at church or among our friends. But are we giving enough thought to actually being useful to our master, Jesus? Uh, before we think on these verses, a little bit of background as to uh, what's been happening in this letter of 2 Timothy. Uh, we are doing a, a one-off this morning, so we're kind of jumping in. So let me give you a, a brief kind of background. Uh, many of you will know that it's the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. And Paul is coming to the end of his ministry while Timothy is, is still fairly new in the ministry. And this letter is something of a, a passing of the baton. One's about to finish his role in the race, the other is starting out. And Paul is instructing Timothy on, on how he should go about this race of life, particularly as a minister of the gospel of Christ Jesus. And up to this point in the letter, he's instructed Timothy on the need to guard the message of Christ, to, to preach the message, to stick to it, to equip others to preach the message, and to endure hardships because of the message. And we know that Timothy had a, a particular role as a minister of the gospel in this place called Ephesus, where, where Paul had established the church. He was to teach others following the example that Paul had handed down to him. Now, I mentioned Jesse the, the Jack Russell before, and, and we don't know what his motivation was for being so useful, probably treats of some sort. But for Timothy and for us, uh, usefulness is all because of what Jesus has done for us. He gave his life for us so that we can live our lives for him. And that's one thing that doesn't come through in the passage, but it's so important for us to have in mind. So let's turn to the passage. And Paul highlights two key things that will help us as we think about being useful to God. Firstly, to be faithful to the word. Be faithful to the word. And secondly, be holy in your lifestyle. 
So be faithful to the word, verses 14 to 19. And the picture we're given is, is of two types of workmen. Uh, verse 15, you've got a good workman who presents himself uh, to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. But in verse 18, we learn of bad workmen who have wandered away from the truth. Uh, and the key difference seems to be the way they handle the word of God, the truth. Truth comes up three times in the passage. And as a minister of the gospel, Timothy is to correctly handle the word of truth. That's, that's the work that he's been given. And those words in our Bibles that say correctly handles uh, literally means cutting a straight path. Uh, last year we had a church, uh, a church social, uh, oh jeez, I've lost my words, a church social where some people went to the uh, fairy forest over in uh, Bottle Lake Forest and we worked our way through the forest, uh, lots of turns, thankfully someone knew the shortcuts and, and the way to go uh, and there was sort of uh, even moments where you had to, I remember some people climbing over a fallen tree to get there. Now uh, the path we took is not the sense of this word, uh, correctly handling. This word means to, to cut a straight path. And so it would be like coming to the, the edge of the forest and going in a, a straight line directly to the destination, no matter what's in the way. Going directly from A to B. And that's the aim when it comes to handling God's word. Not to complicate things and, and take people on wild detours, focusing on minor details and, and never ending up at the destination, where people rightly understand it. The aim of a good workman is to correctly handle God's word. Now in contrast, you've got these two guys, Hymenaeus and Philetus, or, or Hymi and Phil. And these are men who have had some sort of teaching ministry. And the way they're described in verse 18, uh, the way they're described is, is seen in verse 18. They are those who have wandered away from the truth. And the literal meaning of wandering away is missing the target. Uh, when I was at high school, I remember going around to a, a friend's place and he had a, a darts board uh, up in his garage. And you could tell that there had been some terrible darts players there over the years because there were a number of holes in the wall, not on the, on the darts board. But on the wall, uh, and on that wall surrounding it, and, and hundreds of shots had, had missed the board altogether. Uh, and I, I reminded myself of that every time I, I missed the board myself. I was not alone. Uh, a darts player who is always missing the target is of little use. And so is a teacher of God's word if they never hit the intended target. If they don't present God's word faithfully, if they wander from the truth, they are of no use. And so Timothy is to remain committed to the word of truth. Now, signs that a person is wandering from the truth are there in verses 14 and 16. Quarreling about words and indulging in godless chatter. And I take it this is a focus of things that are outside of the truth. It can be majoring on the minors and, and minoring on the majors in the Bible, focusing all our attention on the things that God says little or nothing about and saying little about those things that God says a lot about. It can be uh, saying things contrary to what God has said, as is the case with Jaime and Phil. And we should know that as those who love God's word and, and prioritize it, it's very easy to fall into the trap of quarreling about words. Uh, you can picture this kind of thing happening, can't you? As a discussion begins about some minor detail, 
something not foundational to the, the Christian faith, a, a peripheral matter. And before you know it, a couple of people are arguing about it. And the argument gets more heated and it gets personal. And then it goes in circles, not really helping anyone. But there are others watching on, maybe some who are new to the faith, some non-believers listening to this conversation, and there's no telling the negative ways that it impacts them. Uh, it's probably the case that many of these types of quarrels happen online these days, uh, social media where the world is watching and where people seem to say things they'd never say in person. Now, when it comes to guarding and defending the truth, there, there is a place for that, and, and Paul has talked about that earlier in the letter. But this type of godless chatter, that is chatter that's not centered around the, the truth of the gospel, it leads to more and more ungodliness. And Timothy is to steer clear of it, as are all of God's people. Which may be a helpful reminder for us if we're, if we're given to quarreling. We know that about ourselves. Now, in verse 17, we see it's the kind of teaching that spreads like gangrene. Uh, if you know anyone who's ever been affected by gangrene, then you'll know something of how serious a disease it is. The blood, the blood flow gets cut off and it spreads very quickly, and it's not something to mess around with. It's the kind of thing where you need to take action right away, or the consequences can become increasingly severe. Limbs can be lost, or worse, lives can be lost. Uh, and it looks horrible because it's dead tissue. Uh, and I've got a photo up on the screen for you. No, I don't. Uh, I wouldn't do that to you. I've given Jacob Verd a heart attack on PowerPoint. Sorry, Jacob. Uh, now, people who, who wander from the truth can have this kind of gangrenous effect because their teaching, it spreads rapidly. And I think the reason it spreads is because it's something new. It's fresh. Uh, new truths, new revelation. It's attractive. Uh, it's something different. But if we're not careful, verse 18, it's the kind of teaching that can destroy faith. And the sad thing about Jaime and Phil and, and others like them is that at some point, they were people who held to the truth. The fact they've wandered away from it shows that. Uh, these men would likely have been an encouragement to people like us at one point. Perhaps people came to faith through them or have been strengthened by their teaching in the past. But now they have wandered away from the truth. Uh, and that's a tragic thing. And Paul tells us the specific way they have done this in verse 18, which, which isn't common for Paul. Normally when he, he mentions false teachers, he doesn't give, us the, doesn't give us the specific examples. But here, he thinks it's necessary. Verse 18, they say the resurrection has already taken place. Uh, now when we read that, we think, well, that's right, isn't it? The resurrection has taken place. Jesus rose from the dead. But that's not the resurrection that they were talking about. And that's the, Paul, the, the point that Paul is trying to make. There is a future resurrection where God's people, uh, God's people will be raised. And in 1 Corinthians 15, which we'll be uh, looking at after church camp, it, it points to this. But this is a, a future thing, and to claim it now is to go against the word of truth. Now, Jaime and Phila are claiming it, uh, that it's already taken place. Uh, and let me, try and point out, uh, let me try and point out what could be wrong with this, the trouble that it could cause. Well, the Bible tells us that there are many of God's promises that we experience in part now uh, and in full later on when Jesus returns. And if the resurrection has happened, the implication is that Jesus has already returned and you would expect to experience many of God's promises in full now. Now, one way this, this might have played out 
is with the, the health and, and wealth and prosperity teaching. Expecting in this life what God promises us in eternity. Or maybe it's the expectation that we will fully overcome all of our sin, all of the struggles with sin in this life, when God doesn't promise that. And you can imagine how, how be, uh, believing this teaching could destroy a person's faith when these things don't happen. I think Paul is specific here because these two were claiming things that would only take place in heaven and he saw the immediate threat to the faith of others. Now, as we get to, to verse 19, Paul offers some comfort and, and encouragement from the word of truth. He demonstrates the value of being faithful to the word as he quotes the Bible. He says, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows who are his. There's the comfort. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. There's the encouragement. And those two quotes point to a, a passage in the Old Testament, in the, the book of Numbers, chapter 16. And it's the account of this man named Korah. Uh, feel free to read it sometime uh, when you go from here. Uh, but to summarize it, Korah, along with some others, go against Moses, the, the man of God. They go against the word of God. Uh, they think they have some new and special revelation, contrary to what God had told his people through Moses. And they doubt Moses and his brother Aaron. But Moses refutes Korah by saying, the Lord knows those who are his. Uh, Numbers 16, 3 to 5, which is the first quote. And then later in, in verse 26, it, it loosely reflects the second quote, that everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn from wickedness, which is what Korah and his cohort failed to do. And now Jaime and Phil are doing a similar thing, going against the word of God, pursuing wickedness. And so Paul warns Timothy, there is a need to stick closely to the word of truth, particularly knowing that, that some will turn from it and cause others to stumble in the faith. Timothy is to be faithful to the word of God as he ministers to others. And before we come to the second point, uh, we see this little illustration in the middle, uh, which is a, it seems a bit random, but actually it, it summarizes the passage quite well. Uh, verses 20 and 21, let me read it. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Now, there's a lot of different images given in that illustration, and the temptation is to try and make it all fit smoothly and, and make sense of every single detail making sure we've got a meaning for every item, that the large house, the articles of gold and silver, wood and clay, noble purposes, ignoble purposes, cleansing yourself, being an instrument. And before we think about those details, it's, it's worth remembering that Paul, uh, what Paul has already said. He said that there are good workmen and that there are bad workmen. And I think he's still got uh, Jaime and Phil in mind when he mentions the articles being used for ignoble purposes or used to dishonor. Uh, you see that contrast again. It's confusing that he, that he talks about the, the wooden and clay articles and the, and the gold and silver articles, uh, because as soon as we start trying to make sense of that, uh, we realize that you know, the common things would probably have been used more. But I think that's where, the, the early, again, the earlier verses help us. He's saying to Timothy, make sure you're being used for noble purposes in an honorable way. 
And in verse 21, if you cleanse yourself from being dishonorable, being used for dishonorable purposes, as you avoid godless chatter and, and te the temptation to wander from the word of truth to some attractive new teaching, as you turn away from wickedness, as you flee the evil desires of youth, as you avoid foolish and stupid arguments, you will be an instrument for noble purposes, honorable use. You will be made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Uh, so that's the illustration briefly. And then in the final section, verses 22 to 26, we see more about what a servant who is useful to the master is like. Paul says in this section, be holy in your lifestyle. Verse 22, flee from the evil desires of youth. Uh, there's a story of a man who owned a, a Rolls Royce and he was in need of a, a new chauffeur and he had a few different candidates for the role and he got them to meet him at the, the top of a cliff and he said to each one, park the car as, as close to the cliff as you dare. Now the first person gets in and parks the car within a foot of the cliff uh, second person gets in and parks the Rolls Royce within a few inches, getting closer. The last person looks at the car and then looked at the cliff and said, look, it's far too dangerous. I'm not going anywhere near it. And the owner said to that person, you're hired. You're, you're the one for the job. Because I don't want people taking risks with something as valuable as this Rolls Royce. Uh, and I think it's a helpful story for us when it comes to the way we should think about fleeing sin. Our lives are valuable to God. He bought us with the life of his own son, Christ's blood. And so we shouldn't risk something that, that God values. We shouldn't get as close to sin as we can. We shouldn't put ourselves in positions where we know there's a risk we will sin. Flee, says Paul, from lust, from impatience, from anger, from the temptation to come up with some new teaching that is revolutionary, but wanders from the truth. There's something else that's important in, in verse 22. There's a running away from sin, but there's also a running towards godliness, as we see things uh, that Timothy is to pursue. Righteousness, faith, love, peace, as all of God's people should. Uh, and the word Paul uses for pursue is a, the same word that was used to describe his own zeal when he was persecuting Christians before his miraculous conversion. He was so committed to the cause, and that's a picture of what Timothy is to be like in his pursuit of a holy life, committed to godliness and purity, motivated by God's love for him. Now, if our lives, if our, if our prayer lives only ever focus on the negative, help me not to do this, help me not to do that, help me avoid this, and never on the positive, then, then we're probably missing out. We're not pursuing those, those godly qualities which are a benchmark of the Christian life. Righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And notice these are things that Timothy is to pursue with all of God's people. Uh, I don't know how many runners there are out here, but when it comes to running, you'll often run further with others than you will on your own. You'll go further knowing that there are others by your side, alongside you, striving with you, than by yourself. And that is to encourage Timothy as he pursues these things along with those who call on the Lord. In other words, with all Christians. We're all to pursue these qualities, and we're to do it actively. And maybe for you that means uh, giving it some real thought, prayerfully considering and, and asking God to, to grow you in some of these 
specific areas. Maybe in 2024, it means actually making an effort to, to meet with God's people more regularly, uh, joining a Bible study or, or meeting with someone to read the Bible together or, or whatever it may be, to pray with someone. Uh, I'll say more on the, the Bible study uh, thing next week. There's an active sense to it, though. Uh, one thing you might have noticed in, in this passage is there's lots of do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do that. It's very active. And in some Christian circles, we, we put our guards up the moment we hear that. We say, no, 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 God's the one who does the work, and we excuse ourselves. Well, in this passage, there are plenty of do's and don'ts, all in response to God's goodness. But it mentions one key thing that, that God does, God alone, as his servants obey him. And it's there in verse 21. He makes us holy. He does that as we seek to live, uh, as we seek to be faithful to his word and as we live godly lives. Only he can do that. But he calls us to obey him if we are to be useful. Uh, the final verses in the passage are, uh, also concern Timothy's behavior and his lifestyle. Timothy is to be kind to all. He must teach the truth, not being resentful when, when op opposition arises, but gently instructing when he comes across the likes of a, a Jaime or a Phil. And he will speak in the next chapter, uh, chapter about the need in some instances to have nothing to do with people uh, uh, when, when they oppose the truth. And that shows that wisdom is needed to know the difference. But as he gently instructs, the hope is always that a person who opposes the truth will come back to repentance, will come to repentance as God opens their minds and their hearts. They'll turn from the, the kingdom of darkness and turn to the kingdom of light of Jesus. Timothy's lifestyle and his pursuit of godliness in the face of wickedness will help in this. So that's the charge for Timothy, the servant of the Lord. Be faithful to the word. Be holy in your lifestyle. And, and the question I have for us as servants of the Lord Jesus this morning, are we being useful to the Lord? Uh, we may be ministering to others in some way. We may not be. But we're all called to be faithful in those two areas. Faithful to the word and holy in our lifestyle. Uh, and so are you someone who is being useful to the master? Uh, whatever stage of life we're at, we can, do all of, we, we can all do those two things. Amid all our weaknesses, we can do those things. And, and it will be different for each of us. But usefulness to the master is something that is for every one of us. Uh, as Molly mentioned earlier, it's uh, the last Sunday for, for uh, Jesse and Miriam and Ollie and Grace and their families as they head off uh, to study God's word. And it's wonderful to see their desire to be useful to God uh, as they head to Nelson to study God's word. Uh, but as you guys uh, grow in your knowledge, please don't stop pursuing those two things, uh, being faithful to the word of God and living holy lives. And may God help us all to be useful to him. Amen.